You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. We're just going to go ahead and jump right into the Word. Did you come expecting today? I'm going to try that one more time. Did you come expecting today? Did you come believing for God to speak to your heart, to minister something to you? Here's what I believe and here's what I pray is that God will minister something to each and every one of us that will change our lives forever. And if you believe that, I believe that he will. Amen. If we come with an attitude of expectation, I believe he'll meet us right there. Now, I need all of y'all to get your bottles of water out. And so when you see me take a drink, y'all take a drink, okay? All right. Don't be drinking anything else. Well, coffee's okay, but all right. Praise the Lord. Well, this is week number three in our series called Set a Guard Over My Mouth. And we've been talking about the words that we say and the power of our words and what our words can accomplish and And so let's look at a couple of foundation scriptures that we're basing this on. Psalm 141, verses 2 and 3. We're going to read it from the New King James Version first. And this is a a prayer that the psalmist prayed. He said, let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. And then he said this, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth, Keep watch over the door of my lips. The contemporary English version says this. Think of my prayer as sweet-smelling incense. Think of my lifted hands as an evening sacrifice and help me to guard uh, my words whenever I say something. So what we're we're looking at is this principle of, of asking God to help us to monitor our words. So apparently, based on this prayer, and we've looked at tons of other scriptures in the previous weeks, and by the way, if you've uh, missed any of the previous weeks, go out and download those messages. They're absolutely free, and you can get them and and get caught up. But uh, our words are very, very important. So I want to just hit a couple of points that we've talked about in the past, just as a point of... uh, Review. So write this down if you're taking notes, and that is this. We said your life is filled with what your lips are producing. Now we got that from Proverbs chapter 18, verses 20 and 21, where uh, Solomon wrote, and he said, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and he said, A man's belly or his innermost being shall be satisfied with the fruit of the words of his mouth. So everything in our lives comes about as a result of the words that we speak on a consistent basis. And so we pose this question to you, and that is this, how would we act? Let me say it a different way. Would we do anything different if we knew that our words would instantly come to pass? You know, if, if, you know, you were, um, let me say, let me throw out a couple to you. Let's say you're at work and you say something like, this job is killing me. What would you do if that instantly came to pass? Well, first of all, you'd be in heaven, okay? But the thing is, you know, if we knew that that could happen, how many of you know it's, it's a whole lot less likely that we would say things like this, okay? Or how about this? You know that person, you know whoever that person is, that person just drives me crazy, okay? Well, if, we, if that instantly came to pass and we had to admit you to the hospital and you knew that that could come to pass, then how many of you are like me? I wouldn't say that. Well, that's the point that the scripture's trying to drive home. Matter of fact, let's look at Proverbs 18, 21, 
in the easy to read version, it says this, the tongue can speak words that bring life or death. Those who love to talk must be ready to accept what it brings. Now here's the, the I don't want to say it's a negative side of it, but the, the fact that our words seemingly don't instantly come to pass, we think we get by with whatever we say. Now, listen, there are words that we say that are just stupid words out of your head that don't have any power to them. But here's the thing that you need to be cautious of. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let me, let me say it to you another way. Believing will come by hearing what you say. Okay, so what I'm saying to us is this. You know, we ought to keep a watch over those things that, you know, seemingly uh, aren't that big of a deal because if you say them enough, you will begin to believe them, all right? So here's the next point we made, and that is this. Write this down, please. Your tongue determines the direction of your life. Your tongue determines the direction of your life. And we get this from James chapter three, verses three and four, and let me read it to you. It says this, we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us. With these bits, we can control their whole body. So if you're familiar with horseback riding, the way that you turn a horse is you pull on the reins, the reins are attached to that metal bit in the horse's mouth, and when you want to go right, you pull on the right rein, and it puts pressure on the right side of the mouth of that horse. And the horse tend to, uh, naturally has a tendency to want to go that way to get rid of that pressure, okay? So what I want you to see is that just like we put the bits in the horse's mouth, your tongue is doing the same thing. He goes on to say, with these bits, we can control their whole body. It is the same way uh, with ships. A ship is very big and it is pushed by strong winds, but a very small rudder controls that big ship. Now, I highlighted this for you on the screen, but it's, uh, look, listen, look at this. And the one who controls the rudder decides where the ship will go. Now, I've said this in this series, but I want to say this again. You determine where your ship goes. You're the one making the decisions. You're the one in control of your words. So he says, and the one who controls the rudder, <clears throat> excuse me, decides where the ship will go. It goes wherever he wants it to go. Now, I want to ask you a question. Anybody ever use their phone as a GPS to go somewhere? Okay, I think pretty much all of us do. Well, what if you're heading down the road, you know where you want to go, but the GPS keeps telling you you're on the wrong route. You're going the wrong direction. And it keeps saying that over and over and over again. What do we do? Do we just mash harder on the gas and go faster in the direction that we're going at the present time? Well, no. We adapt and we change the direction that we're heading. All right? So if you don't like the direction your life is headed, change that direction by changing what you're saying. Okay? If you don't like the direction that your life is going, then change the words that you're speaking. Okay? Now, how many of you know if you get a big cruise ship or, you know, one of those big uh, freighters, uh, you know, they don't turn on a dime. Okay? You know, they're going, they're scooting along, but how many of you know it takes a second, takes a little bit for it to make that change, to make that turn? Well, the same thing is true for us. When you get this revelation right here and you begin to change your words, don't get upset because it doesn't happen overnight. All right? Don't get upset because it doesn't happen overnight. 
just realize and believe that the direction is changing. Okay? So, say this after me. If you don't like the direction, your life is headed. Change your direction by changing what you're saying. Okay? All right. Now, I want to switch gears a little bit. And we began talking last week about a principle that I want to uh, continue to work on a little bit called the heart-mouth connection. Say that. Say the heart-mouth connection. Say it again. The heart-the-mouth connection. Okay? Now, let's go over to Mark, the 11th chapter, and verses 20 through 23. Let me give you a little backstory here as to what's happening. Uh, this is the last full week of Jesus' life and ministry here on the earth. And so he and his 12 disciples, they're staying in a suburb of Jerusalem called Bethany. And every day they leave Bethany, they walk into Jerusalem. It's not very far. And Jesus conducts his business, does whatever he needs to do. And then uh, they head back out to Bethany every night and they go and they spend the night. Okay, so one morning they're heading back from Bethany into Jerusalem. So we'll pick up here. Uh, well, no, let's, this is the day before. We'll, we'll, uh, Jesus walks up to a fig tree and he's looking for fruit on that fig tree. Now, all indications were there should have been fruit on that fig tree. But when Jesus walked up, there was no fruit produced. And he said to the tree, no man shall eat fruit from you hereafter forever. And then he kept on walking. And they went into town. They did everything they needed to do. They walked back out of town, passed by this fig tree, and then went to Bethany and spent the night. Now, in verse 20, we pick up on their return journey from Bethany going into Jerusalem. So verse 20 says this, Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. The actual Greek says, have the faith of God. Okay, so Jesus is getting ready to tell us how God uses his faith. Now, let me ask you a question. Did Jesus perfectly display the Father when he was here in the earth? Absolutely, okay? So when he cursed the fig tree, he's demonstrating how God releases his power, all right? So it says, so Jesus answered and said to them, have the God kind of faith or have the faith of God for assuredly, I say to you, whoever, are there any whoever's in here today? Okay, if you're not a whoever, you're a whatever, all right? Hopefully you're a whoever. All right, so he said, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, say heart, but believes that those things that he says, say says, will be done, he will have whatever he says. Okay, now, let me break this down for you. What did Jesus say? He said this. Now, he, he doesn't ever mention the fig tree again. He's done with the fig tree. All right? But what he says is, okay, guys, listen. I'm telling you, whoever opens his mouth and speaks words and believes in his heart that those words will come to pass, you can have what you say. Okay, I will say that again because this is a big principle. Jesus said, now do you believe Jesus? Do you believe he told the truth? Okay, 
He said, whoever says to the mountain, mountain, get up, be removed, and be cast into the sea, and notice this, does not doubt where? Doesn't doubt where? Okay. Where do words come out? Your mouth. So apparently, Jesus is telling us there is a connection between what you believe in your heart and say with your mouth. This is the heart and mouth connection. So he said, whoever says to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now, I didn't particularly emphasize this on your notes, uh, but I want to pay close attention because Jesus goes on to say, and I didn't include this in your notes in verse 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now, even though it's all in the same context, it's two different applications. We're not focusing on prayer today. Notice Jesus did not say pray about your mountain. He didn't say pray to God about your mountain. Go and tell God how bad your mountain is, how big your mountain is. Go and tell God that you sure would appreciate it if he would remove the mountain for you. Okay, he didn't say that, did he? I said, did he? No, he said, whoever, meaning us, if we will speak to the mountain, okay? All right, now I know what somebody might say. Well, you know what, pastor? That's Jesus. You know, Jesus could do stuff like that, but I can't. Why? Because I'm not Jesus. Okay, well, I'm glad you said that. Let's go over to Matthew 28 and let's look at Matthew's take on this same example, this same story that happened. Let's look at verse 18. Now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves and said to it, said to it, said to the tree. He spoke to the tree. He spoke to a thing. He spoke to a thing, okay? He didn't pray about the thing. He spoke to the thing. Now, there are times when you pray, but this ain't one of them, okay? So it says that he spoke to it and said, let no fruit grow on you ever again, and immediately the fig tree withered away. Stop. Now it says immediately in Matthew's gospel, the fig tree withered away. But over in Mark's gospel, they didn't see anything until the next day. Okay. Hold that thought. Remember that. Verse 20. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled and said, how did the fig tree wither away so soon? Verse 21. So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you're like me and you're the son of God and you're anointed by God and you have angels all around you and angels sang at your birthday and shepherds came to your birthday and all that type of stuff, then you can do what I'm getting ready to tell you. Is that what he said? No. Notice what he said. I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you, not me, you, will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive, all right? Now, let me pull the rug out from underneath this. In Philippians, the second chapter, we won't turn there for the sake of time, but, but Paul wrote in Philippians, he said that Jesus set aside everything that made him divine. 
He took upon himself the form of a servant and became a man. So Jesus, when this happened, was operating just like you and I can. Okay? Now, let me ask you a question. Look at this verse again. If, if you have faith and you do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but I also say, if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. Okay? Now, I want to ask you a question. Who was he talking to here? The disciples. So my point is this. This is not just for people who are called the Son of God. These, this is for born-again men and women who are children of God. In other words, it's for you and for me. Okay, so write this down, please. This will work for anyone who will believe that it will work. Somebody says, well, pastor, I tried that and it didn't work. Okay, Jesus didn't say it would come to pass for people who try it. Jesus said it will come to pass for people who believe it. See, trying something and believing something are two different things. Okay, so this will work for anyone who will believe that it will work. Say this after me. Say, this will... Work for me if I will believe that it will work for me. Okay? All right? Now, here's, I want to get to this because I mentioned this earlier. Write this down, please. Don't be misled because you talk to the tree and the change does not seem instantaneous. Don't be misled because the change does not seem instantaneous. Now I get it. That's where, you know, people say, well, I tried that pastor and it didn't work for me. Well, that's because you tried it and you looked and watched for instantaneous results. Well, I want to ask you a question. Are you better than Jesus? Let me try that again. Are you, are you better than Jesus? Okay. When Jesus did this, did it not take 24 hours for it to show up in the seen realm where the disciples could see it? Didn't it take a full day? Yeah, it did. Now, when, when Matthew's gospel says immediately it withered, he was, he was stating a fact. It did wither, but it started withering where you cannot see it. Okay? Now, where did it start withering? See, the change did not appear where you could see it immediately, but change started. And this is so important, so very important. Um, anybody ever, maybe when you were young, you did this, or maybe you have some kids or grandkids that have done this, you know, where they'll give out little bean seeds in kindergarten or something, and you get a little Dixie cup. Y'all remember what Dixie cups are, right? Okay. All right, so you get a little Dixie cup full of some soil, and they tell you, put that bean, stick it down in that soil, give it some water, put it up in the windowsill, and, and wait, and over time, what happens? All of a sudden, a little sprout starts coming through the ground. Why? Because the seed germinated, and it started to come up and produce. Okay? What happens... And I, you know, I may have been guilty of this. Maybe you were too. What happens if you go and you pull that cup down, you don't see anything happening, and you keep digging that seed up to see what's going on? Will it produce? No, it won't. <coughs> Why not? Because you have to believe. Now, you know, something is happening, but you have to believe that something is happening. Listen, and leave it alone. Okay. Now let me give you a truth about the word of God. All right. Write this down, please. When you speak the word of God, the word of God is designed to attack situations at the root and not at the fruit. 
Can you see the roots on top of the soil? No. Where are the roots? I mean, you know, some tree roots you can, but a plant, you know, you, you look and the roots are not visible. Most of the time, if they're visible, the plant is not going to be healthy. Okay? So when you speak the word of God into your situation, it is the word is designed to work in the realm you cannot see first before it shows up in the realm you can see. But doesn't mean it's not working. It's working every bit as much as it is when you start to see results. Okay, now are you tracking with me? So people that say, Pastor, I've tried that and it didn't work for me are just like that little kid who got that Dixie cup and kept digging up the seed to see was anything happening. You can't wait around and keep checking to see. Let me ask you a question. How many times did Jesus go back and look at the fig tree to see if what he said was working? How many? We don't have any record that he did. Listen, when Jesus spoke to the tree, he kept moving. He didn't stop and say, you know, I sure hope it comes to pass this time. Boy, Lord, Father, I really need this to be a sign for those guys. Let it work this time. Come on, G come on, myself, let it work. Come on, let it work. Come on, let it work. No, you don't find any of that. Nor did he say, uh, you know, they go into Jerusalem and he, he says, uh, hey, Philip, one of the disciples, hey, Phillips, come here. I need you to go out halfway between here and Bethany, and I want you to pass by where that fig tree was, and I need you to check on it and see if you see anything happening. Okay, so he goes and checks on it. No change. Comes back and tells Jesus there's no change. Okay, well, we need to spend the night in Jerusalem because I need to wait. Okay, no, you didn't find that one time. Why? Because there was no doubt in Jesus' heart that what he would say, what he said would happen and come to pass. Okay? All right, are, are you still tracking with me? Okay? So let me say this to you, and this is true for spiritual things in general. All right? Write this down. Most of the time, when you're dealing with spiritual things and the word of God is spiritual, Jesus said, my words, they are spirit and they are life, okay? The word of God, you remember uh, Paul wrote in Hebrews, he said in Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is alive and sharper than a two-edged sword. See, this isn't just a book with ink and paper. It is a book with ink and paper, but it's more than that. There is supernatural, God-breathed power in these words, okay? So when you speak God's word or when you're dealing with things spiritually, most of the time you will not see immediate results when you speak, okay? Let me give you a great example. When you got saved, you know, we talked about this last week. When you got saved, it was the heart-mouth connection that got you saved. You believed in your heart the gospel, that Jesus died for you. He paid the price for your sins. You believed that in your heart. You believed that he died for you and he was raised from the dead. And the Bible says that when you believe that and you say with your mouth, Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life, the Bible says that you are born again. Something supernatural happens at that moment, does it not? Okay. Well, I don't know about you, and you know, I'm not saying this is impossible, but I didn't have, you know, where when I prayed that prayer, the heavens opened up, and I saw tons of angels, and I heard, you know, and they were all fat babies sitting on clouds playing harps, and, and all that kind of, I didn't, I didn't have an experience like that. You know what? When I prayed, and I prayed exactly what I just told you, I did not feel any different after I prayed 
than when I did pray. But the Bible says something very spiritual happened when I prayed that prayer. Now here's, here's what I want you to see. It took time for the outward manifestation of that prayer to become visible and change began to happen out here. But change was immediate in here. Do you understand that? Okay. So where spiritual things are concerned, you know, uh, where healing is concerned. Now, somebody said, well, pastor, I know you believe in healing. How come your voice is like that today? Well, you want me to tell you why? Anybody want to know? Any of you nosy? Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, let me tell you. Last uh, Tuesday, um, I began to feel some symptoms in my body. But here's where I dropped the ball. I did not address it immediately with the word. I put it off. And I put it off. And next thing I knew, it was too late that, that the, the infection had already grabbed a hold of my body. And so then, at that point, what are my options? My options are to you know, continue to speak the word over my body and to believe God and stand in faith for my healing and let healing uh, manifest itself, okay? Now, the Bible says that there were a couple of instances where Jesus ministered healing to people and it said that they began to make amends from that very hour. Not every healing that Jesus ministered to people was instantaneous. Did you know that? Okay. Sometimes there was a process that began called recovery. What did, what did Jesus say in Mark chapter 16? He said that believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall do what? Recover. Okay. Now sometimes, praise God, as God wills, there might be an instantaneous miracle. But what I'm wanting you to see is, is that when you're dealing with spiritual things, particularly in your life, it is not going to be immediate as far as what you see out here in this natural realm. Change begins the moment you speak. That's what you have to believe. That change, something started happening. So Jesus said, you can speak to the mountain and if you will believe in your heart that what you say comes to pass, the mountain will be removed. He did not say that that mountain will instantaneously be removed. He didn't say how long it would take. He just said it would happen. Okay? Now, what I need you and me to believe is that when we speak, even though we don't see immediate results, something is happening. Okay? Are you still tracking with me? I know I'm going slow with this, but I'm taking my time. Okay? Look at Mark chapter 11 and verse 20. It says this, now in the morning, now this is 24 hours after he cursed the fig tree. It says, now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. So change began when Jesus spoke to the tree, but it was not in a, in a realm or it was not in a state, if you will, where it was visible to the disciples. Because you know, you know, I love Peter. You know, I identify with Peter a lot. You know, Peter was open mouth, think second, okay, a lot of times. And you know, if there had been, like if that tree, when Jesus spoke to it, went, mm, and just fell down, you know Peter would have said something because he's the one that said it this time. So change began, but it did not happen in the visible. It happened at the roots, okay? So the change did not happen where everyone could see it. It began where you cannot see it. So let me, let me give you an example. 
let's say, um, you know, and, and this works. What I'm telling you works universally, whether it's your finances, whether it's healing in your body, whether it's, you know, you're believing God for a job, you know, whatever the, the situation might be. So you begin, you find out what God's word says about your situation, and you begin to say what God's word says about your situation. And you say something like this, Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that even though it might not sound like it, even though it might not seem like it, I thank you that I am healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet in Jesus' name. And then I can quote some scriptures to back that up. 1 Peter 2.24, that by his stripes I'm healed. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. I mean, tons of scriptures, okay? Now, I have a choice at that moment. Do I really believe that what I just said is true and, and is at work? Well, if I'm looking on the outside, nothing on the outside changed, okay? But I believe that the word works. If I will stay in faith, the word will produce the results. Are you following me? Okay. So let's say, you know, um, you have a financial need. And, you know, you are obedient to the Lord and uh, living, you know, the life that God wants us to live. And so you go to the Lord and you say, Father, in Jesus' name, you said that you would supply all my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I have this need in my life. And so, Father, I thank you and declare in Jesus' name, according to your word, that need is fully and abundantly supplied. And I thank you for it and I praise you for it in Jesus' name. Now, I just spoke the word, did I not? Okay. Now I have a choice again. When, the, when I go, if I was to leave that posture of prayer and I go and I get, pull up my bank account online and nothing has changed, I have a choice. You know, if it still says zeros or minus something, I have a choice. Do I believe and let that be the determining factor or do I believe what the word says and believe that when I believed and spoke that that word went to work. Okay? I choose to believe that the word is true and that when I believe it in my heart and say it with my mouth, that what I say will come to pass. So I don't care what has to happen, how it's going to happen, however God does it, that's not my business. You know, a lot of times we try and do our job, God's job, and everybody else's job. Okay? Quit trying to figure out how God's going to do it. He ain't going to steal it and get it to you. It'll be right. Don't worry about it. Okay? What am I saying to you? That, that in the spirit, in that unseen realm, things started moving and going to work to cause that to come to pass in the realm where you need it. Oh, I hope you're getting this. These are just basic, basic truths about faith. Now, I want to ask you a question. When God wants to change something, what does he do? Uh, say it loud. He talks to it. Okay? So in Genesis 1-1, God stepped out in darkness and he said what? Let there be light. Do you think God had to turn around and check two or three times to see if anything changed? No. Okay. All right. Let's look at a couple of scriptures here. Hebrews eleven three. By faith, this is the new living. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we see now, or that what we now see, rather, did not come from anything that can be seen. You know, people, and I hear people say this, and I might have even said this, that God took nothing and created 
everything we see. That's not a true statement. Just because you couldn't see it did not mean it didn't exist in God. Okay? He said that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. The Passion Translation says this, faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's word. He spoke, and I like this, and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. Now surely God is perfect in this principle that I'm teaching you today. But, and you know, you and I, we're, we're learning and we're growing in this, okay? But the same thing is true for you that when you speak words of faith, that what happens is that invisible realm has no choice, and I'm talking about when you're speaking God's word, the invisible realm has no choice but to produce what you spoke. Let me use this phrase, to give birth to it in the natural realm. Okay? So again, how many times did Jesus go back to the fig tree and check for anything changing? None. Why? Because he knew change was taking place. It was just taking place in a place, in a realm where you cannot see it. Now you're going to, again, you're going to have to make a decision. When I don't see things changing with these right here, what am I going to do? When I don't hear things changing, when I don't feel like things are changing, what am I going to do? Are you going to stay in faith? Are you going to be moved by what you see Feel, hear, touch, taste, and smell. You have a choice. All right? Now, um, let me g give you this, and, and, and I want to hit on something that, that I believe the Lord laid on my heart. Mark eleven twenty three. what is it that we're supposed to believe? All right? Jesus tells us what we're supposed to believe. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Now, for the longest time, I read this because I ran it into verse 24, and, and, if, and it's two applications, so listen to me carefully. In this application of the God kind of faith, Jesus said to simply believe that what you say will happen. In verse 24, he said, when you pray, believe that you receive the answer when you pray. There's two different things. Listen to me carefully. In, in, in verse 23, he said, our application of faith here is to believe that what I say will come to pass. When I pray, though, I'm supposed to pray and believe that I already have the answer. Okay, let me say it one more time. In verse 23, he said, this application is that when I speak to the mountain, my responsibility is to believe that what I say will come to pass. Okay, in verse 24, in prayer, when I'm praying and, and believing God for something, I'm supposed to believe that I already have the answer when I pray. It's two different applications, okay? And I used to confuse the two. So when I would speak to the mountain, I would try and believe that the mountain had already moved. Well, that's not what Jesus said to believe. He said, you don't worry about the mountain. He said, you just deal with you believing that your words will come to pass. Do, are, you, are you tracking with me? Okay. I'm not trying to be real tedious. I'm trying to help you. All right. So <clears throat> here's, here's a couple of reasons. I didn't put this in your notes, but here's a couple of reasons people don't get results with this. Number one, they don't ever say anything. They don't ever speak to their situations. They don't ever talk to their mountains. They don't ever talk to their fig trees. 
It's okay to talk to stuff. Jesus gave you permission to. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but you do it anyway. You talk to your car. Stupid refrigerator. I can't believe, why don't you ever work? Okay. That's not, that's not what we're talking about here. But, but the two reasons that people don't get results with this is number one, they don't open their mouth and say anything. And number two, they don't believe in their heart that what they say will come to pass. Now, can I say this to you? Be in it to win it, no matter how long it takes. I spoke to that mountain 10 years ago. So, change happened when you spoke. And, you know, and this is all figurative, okay, don't misunderstand me, but if there were geologists with all of their equipment standing around your mountain, you know what? They would, they would probably come to you and say this, you know what? Um, about two or three years into this thing, we started getting some measurements where there was some tremors happening. And we never had that kind of activity here before. In 10 years, they come back to you and say, no, we've, we've had a, a major incident. One whole side of the mountain collapsed and fell down. 15 years, they might come to you and they might say to you, you know what? You'll never guess what happened. There was a major earthquake and the whole thing collapsed. 25 years from now, they'll come back to you and say, hey, you remember that mountain that used to be over there? Okay. Don't be moved by not seeing anything changing in the natural. Don't be moved by how long it takes. You stay in faith. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, now, um, let's read Romans 10, 9, and 10, and then I'm going to switch gears on you. Romans 10, 9, and 10, this is what we hit on last week, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe with in your heart, you say with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So if you, if you can't write this in the little margin of your notes, I didn't put this as a point, but, but write this down. Faith is of the heart, not in your head. Faith is in your heart, not in your head. Now my spiritual father, uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin used to say this all the time when I was in Bible school, and I fully didn't understand it until many years ago, but he said this. He said, it is possible for you to have faith in your heart and doubt in your head. And I didn't fully understand that till I understood that what he was saying is, you can be believing in your heart and thoughts of doubt cross your mind. What the devil wants you to believe is because you had that thought of doubt, your faith is shut down. Okay? No, you just say, no, in Jesus' name, I'm not moved by that. I don't believe that. Okay? Stay in faith. All right, now, I'm going to switch gears on you. All right? I want to, and I believe that the Holy Ghost led me to do this. I want to talk to you about something that's gonna, that could steal your confidence in your faith. You want to know what that is? Okay. All right. Let's look at, at the, write this down. It's on your notes there. Condemnation, condemnation, everybody say condemnation, is the confidence thief in receiving from God in prayer and in the power of your words. Condemnation. Let me throw in a couple of other words there. Shame and guilt. Guilt, shame, and condemnation are the thieves of your confidence. Because they will, those three things will work together to steal your confidence where prayer is concerned and where the power of your words is concerned. 
Because you know what will happen the moment you step up and decide you're going to step out in faith and release your faith through your words or something like that. I, I can almost guarantee the devil is going to come to you and say, that's not going to work for you because you remember what you did. Now, let's just establish something right up front. Every one of us have a past. None of us have arrived. None of us are perfect. We're, in, we're a work in progress and we're on our way to perfection. But none of us are without sin in our past. Can you agree with that? Somebody said, I am. No, you're not. Okay. Now, I want to establish a couple of principles here that will help you where your confidence is concerned. And it's going to sound too good to be true. Well, welcome to the gospel. Okay. All right. Let's look at some scriptures. First John 1, 9. All right. So let me establish this. The price for your sin was paid 2,000 years ago, right? When Jesus hung on the cross. But there is still something we must do, and that is we must repent, we must receive it, and receive our forgiveness and believe that that is true. Okay? So let's, let's forget, let, let's for a moment, let's forget about everything that happened before you received Christ and let's talk about if you sin as a Christian. I don't know about you, but I have. Okay, thank you for the other person with me. Y'all pray for me and that person, okay? All right, here's the good news in this. So the price for sin has already been paid. Jesus died on the cross for sin you had already committed, sin you might commit today, and sin you have not yet committed. The price was already paid. All right, so what do we do if we sin? 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, now let me establish this, and, and I'm gonna really work on this for just a second. When you sin, the last thing you're going to feel like doing is going to God. I'm just being honest, okay? And I've heard it all my Christian life, all right? And I want to say it to you. I've said it a bunch of times, but I want to say it again. When you sin, run to Jesus, not from him. Don't do like Adam did and hide in the garden. Because let me tell you, that was when Adam told God what he had done was not when God found out about it. When you confess your sin to Jesus is not when he finds out about it. Now, he's not happy because you sin. Sin doesn't please him. But what pleases him is when you believe in the power of his blood more than you do in the power of that sin. And even though you feel awful, you feel guilty, you feel ashamed, you're so disappointed and upset with yourself, go to him and say, Lord Jesus, you know what I did, but I'm confessing it to you right now. I did this and whatever this might be. I confess it to you right now and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me from this in Jesus' name. Guess what happens? Absolutely. It's forgiven and you are clean. Now listen to me. Listen to me carefully. Do not mistaken a feeling of guilt for something that did not happen. In other words, you might continue to feel guilty even after you've been forgiven. That's just a feeling. Okay? All right, so when you sin, run to the Father, run to Jesus, confess it, and get rid of it. Now, let's go and let's look at 1 John chapter 2. He said this, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, 
we may have confidence. Everybody say confidence. And not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Okay, so what, what John is telling us here is there is a connection between being ashamed and not having confidence. So what John is telling us is posture yourself in a way in your relationship with Jesus so that you have confidence and no shame. Now, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not proud of some of the stuff I've done by any stretch. But you know what? I'm growing and learning not to be ashamed of those things anymore. Okay? So, let's go on. 1 John chapter 3. John tells us this. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. I'm going to use a different word there. The word is convict. Okay? Now, let me just take a little side note right here. The Holy Spirit never convicts the believer of sin. Your own heart does. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said in John 14, has come to convict the world of sin and their need for him. But the born-again believer, your heart convicts you. So he says this, if our heart does not convict us, we have confidence toward God. So what's the goal? The goal is <clears throat> live in a way where your heart doesn't convict you about anything. Now, somebody said, but pastor, no, you know when you sin. I mean, I do. I can pretend like I didn't, but I know I did. All right? So he said, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Now, he goes on to say, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So let me walk you through this. When you sin, that guilt, that shame, that condemnation, as long as you let it stay there, it is shutting your faith down. So that's why you need to run to Jesus confess that sin and believe with all of your heart that he has forgiven you, that sin is gone, and there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Then your faith and confidence in your faith, and when the devil comes and tries to tell you, well, you know what you did, shut up. Amen. That's gone. That's, that's been washed away by the blood of Jesus. My faith is working. My faith is strong. I have confidence. And he said this, if our heart does not condemn us, convict us, we have confidence toward God and whatever, say whatever, whatever we ask from him, we receive from him. Okay? So here's the last thing I want you to see. Once we are forgiven and know we are forgiven, then we will have confidence in our hearts that we are right with God and our faith can work. Hallelujah. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I'm wanting you to see, and we're, we're getting, we're, we're talking about the power of God being released by the words that you say with your mouth. And I believe the Holy Ghost gave me this little addendum to put on here because I believe it, with a lot of believers, this is what shuts their faith down. It's because they don't have confidence toward God. And you can, not arrogance, confidence. 
confident that I'm forgiven, confident that I'm clean, confident that I'm in right standing with him, confident that I know that when I open my mouth and I pray, he hears me and he answers my prayers. When I need healing in my body, healing belongs to me because I have confidence. My heart doesn't convict me. When I, need that, when I have that need that needs to be met, I can release my faith because I have confidence. Not in anything that I've done. I have confidence because I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm clean. I know I'm right in his eyes. And there is nothing that can come between us. Hallelujah. Did you get that today? Praise God. All right, well, I believe that your faith is working mightily in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.